For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And hello, everybody. Welcome to week four recap here of the Tiger Mile Report at tigermlreport.com. I'm Rogelio Casillo. Alongside me will be Chris Brown shortly as running a little bit of a technical error, but so we unveiled the new show intro there. So hopefully you like that. Some other stuff we're going to unveil here shortly, but plenty to get to this evening as the month of April, the first month of the season has come to an end. And it's strange to think that to me, at least it's going to be May 1st. And it's also strange to me that I shave my beard. I don't like it. I missed a beard already, but just wanted to change it up a little bit because during the summertime it gets hot. So that's my only grooming tip of the day. But yeah, Chris should be along with us shortly. And coming up tonight, we are going to look at there's a lot of a lot of a lot of activity between Toledo and Detroit. We'll get to as Zach Short has now made his way up to Detroit and we'll be recap recapping all the action though down there. Erie bullpen, by the way. Not a good week for the bullpen for Erie as they continue to try to find a solution. We're also going to look at Dylan Dingler, who had a really good rehab in Lakeland, and he is set to, I'll tell you where he's, a potential tease where he's going next. And Stan's friend, by the way, Stan's a friend of the show, which would be, of course, Carlos Pena breaking down. He had a really good week. He had two starts and then filled in pretty well. So what did he get to? And even with the Tigers today, I did want to talk a little bit about the Tigers as they don't have to play Baltimore anymore. Thank God. Thank God, because I also realize that my room's a little messy, so I apologize. I Baltimore is one of those teams that it just does not go away. And there was some talk today about maybe putting Spencer Trouble in the bullpen. And I don't, the guy's coming back from Tommy John. Relax. And uh, yeah, Montero did move up. Yes. And Dingler will be probably starting in Erie this week, and they need all the catching help they can get in terms of framing. And again, we'll we'll break that down a little bit more as it comes along. So if if you're not a Patreon member, right there on the link, patreon.com forward slash Tiger Minor League Report. But get back to Tigers for a moment. Overall, this week, Zach McKinstry has done a very good job batting leadoff. We'll talk about that more on the uh, Metrics podcast. But Royal Riga is getting it done on Saturday. And overall, I thought the Tigers, even though they only they did not win the series, I thought they played pretty well. All things considering, just could not capitalize on with runners in scoring position consistently. Now Saturday, they they jumped, they came back. Jake Rogers today with the two run homer, and they showed that. And oh, Stan, by the way, thank you so much. Exquisite. That ball is gone. Such a multi. Multi. Evening, Walter and Chris. There is Chris. So, Chris, how you doing? I'm good. Hopefully, I sound all right. Sorry about. I don't know what the hell happened. The laptop I've been using every day for years, and always logged into Twitter, suddenly says I'm not logged into Twitter, and when I put in my password, I can't get in. So I have to use my other laptop. I yeah, it's bizarre. And that's how you you send me the link, 
to the StreamYard link and I just click on that and there we go. But this time I had to go to the backup laptop, which is actually the newer laptop. So I'm fine with it. As long as I sound okay. Yeah, no, it sound sound fine. It's just a, it's a little, little different, but nothing, <laughs> nothing like bad or anything. I was just talking about the Tigers. I was killing time talking about the Tigers over the weekend and with runners in scoring position a little bit. You were hacked by Torque fans, as Shawn Michaels said. <laughs> so that's that's pretty funny. Yeah, we're talking about Montero moving up. Dingler will start Erie. Again, we'll get to Erie too, but there is something else. I'm, so we're talking about, we're ta- we did the show intro. You missed the show intro, but I'll, I'll play for you a little later. But one of the things that we're going to do now is a, so every time we go through a recap, we go through each system. So further ado, what we're going to do is we're going to do something a little different with it. We're going to, I'm going to show you the recap right now, and then we'll go back over and talk about it. All right, so just so damn funky, I can't get enough of it. I really want, I want to like just put on a robe and get a martini and hang out and listen to that and talk baseball. <laughs> I figured it's, it would it be works. easy. <laughs> there's gonna be a there's so there's gonna be kind of a two ways to go about this too because we have so I created like that video so you get the video and you'll get kind of like as we're talking through this through the YouTube that you'll see the things we're just talking about. So that way for people that are just catching on, they just want to catch that real quick. They can. And yeah, I was, I was busy today. Today was a day where I was going to write some articles and no, and that's, and that's fine, Walter or Stan that, that, that's why this is what, this is why, aha, this is where it comes in handy. Move us over. Yeah. It's, that's why we're doing the, the, the slides and we're doing like the, Doing something a little different here. So let me see if I can get the slides going. But uh, so, yeah, you can let's see here. All right. Anyway, Chris, so you were covering, you were looking at Toledo today, correct? Uh, yeah, I was, I was looking at a little bit of everything today, but yeah, it was uh, Toledo was, so this was shaping up to be just one of those lousy weeks where nothing really fun happened, or at least very little fun things happened. And then today, both Toledo and West Michigan absolutely went off, which was incredible. But yeah, it was today, like the, the big blow today was a, a grand slam from Jermaine Palacios, but, uh, Parker Meadows had a couple of rockets. He, he had the two hardest hit balls of the game, 107 and a half, 110 and a half miles per hour. So he, he was striking the ball well. And the mud, or the Mudheads ended up splitting the week with Syracuse, which is, it, it was the vets this week rather than the prospects. Call them up, call them up, call them up. Not so much this week. And you actually were down there for two games and saw it firsthand. And you, you had a pretty good feel for what the Mets were doing to target Justin Henry Malloy. Yeah, there was there was definitely a case where I noticed that on Wednesday they were going, they were jamming him inside and kept going inside and they were going away. 
he was losing his patience. Usually he has some really good patient at bats, but against uh, Cutlass, who I believe pitched for, had a cup of coffee in the majors, or maybe maybe he was in the Curtis. majors for a little. Curtis. Like, Cutlass. Yeah, he's, he's been in the majors for, for five, six years for like different, he's a, he's a big league level arm that just can't quite stick there, but it's yeah. big league stuff. Yeah, and he and he carved him up. When any time he faced any faced any type of advanced pitching, advanced spin, he struggled. And so I, I think that like the when people talk about let's call him up, call him up, call him up, call him up. No, you're right. He's gonna be here at some point, but I don't know. Like it Syracuse has the Mets system, the triple A team does have some pretty good talent down there. They have among, I believe, was it Chris, we were talking about this, some of the more well, they have they have Ronnie Mauricio. They have Mark Vientos down there. They have Brett Batty, but he, he got called up. But yeah, there, there were some quality arms too. Yeah, I, I mean, the results are there in the numbers. What, what you saw, Malloy went, what, five for 24 this week, I want to say? That is. Wrote it down. There you go. See? Yep. Five for 24, a double, a home run, one walk, and eight strikeouts. That's not the Malloy that we know, but that's, like you said, the Mets seem to have found his weaknesses. And exploited them or found a way to attack them. Hello. Yeah. And that's what you'll see. You'll see that going forward with, with some teams in the minors. And what you want to see is him bounce back from that. And that's an important thing to see in his development before he comes up to the big leagues because big league teams will do the exact same thing. They will find out that, oh, he can't hit a front door breaking ball. Or if you jam him, jam him in and then you go break the ball away, he'll chase. And they'll exploit that until he stops doing it. So... Nice to find this out now in the minors rather than when it comes up and he's supposed to help save the team in, in Detroit. Because then, yeah, cause everybody will say, well, the Tigers rushed them up and, and then there'll be that whole entire thing. But Sean is correct. Though. We are getting close to that, okay, cut bait with X player season. And that could be something soon. But in terms for Toledo, in terms of they're 17 and 9, they're, they're rolling along. Their offense has done pretty well, all things considering. And Andrew Knapp, who it was just a veteran bat. It was good to see that he broke out a little bit. He was, he, I think it was Wednesday too. I saw him just hit the cover out of the ball a couple times. And he definitely was able to show some, you know, he's been DHing more. He hasn't really been catching uh, here and there. He's been catching more of a Parparski has been doing that. But uh, as Alex mentioned, I was just going to say with Alex Fajardo, his start, I saw, I sat in for Olsen and, it'll start on Wednesday. So interesting story. Wednesday was an 11 a.m. start and it's school night. It's a school kid start. So there's a bunch of kids and they were, that was the loudest I've seen that stadium since I've been there. I've never heard it that loud. The kids were screaming. There was a kid next to me like yelling and or he was making fun of some poor little kid right next to him. And I almost wanted to go him and go, it's not, it's not right thing to do, but, but it'll look sharp. Look sharp. He's his fastball was 93 94, but he looked his slider looked better. And today he performed a lot better as far as getting swings and misses goes. Olsen cruised along, he had one bad inning. Again, I'm being, I know, I, I know somebody's gonna sit there and say in chat, Roger, you're being too hard on him, but I thought he pitched better. He, all things considering, he did pitch better. But beyond that, the rest of the week for Toledo pitching wise didn't was not outside of Miguel the proposal that I put in here. Nobody really stood out. But if in that sort of rotation all year, right, where it's it's Brendan Hanfey, Zach Logue, Ashton Godot, just, just these kind of minor league journeyman types who don't really excite you much, 
they, they pitched well at times, but this week it wasn't really it. That was a bummer. But so in retrospect, it's, it's a pleasant surprise that they were able to, to split the series. You'd obviously like to win the series, but given that their prospects didn't really perform, we didn't talk about Meadows or Lipsius, but neither of them had particularly good weeks either. And their starting pitching was just middling. Yeah, getting the series split is is a decent outcome for them there. You, you mentioned Del Pozo was out of the bullpen. They they just had a problem with walks all week. I think I counted it up. The uh, the Mudhens had thirty one walks in fifty innings this this week, and five of them came from Chavez Fernander, who really had a devil of a time. He came in his first game, and I think he walked three of the first. Or he walked his first three batters, and then gave up a, a hitch or got him out, and then walked another batter. It was. He was clearly very nervous in his AAA debut, which is unfortunate, but that's not what they called him up for, right? They called him up to get outs, and so that's a toughie. But yeah, I don't know. The pitching itself has not been, it just hasn't been terribly exciting all, all year. We, we You mentioned, you know, Fido and also another two guys you pay the most attention to. Garrett Hill in there, and then Brendan White and Andrew Magno are interesting relief arms. That curveball you sent me a couple of days ago, Mango probably... We're going to be doing a tool series too. I think I'm going to put Mango, 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 Mango. Am I always saying Magno? Magno, Magno. We're going to have to put him up there as one of the best curveballs in the system. That guy, yep. when it stamps off and the RPF or the, the spin on that curveball is pretty good when he gets it going pretty well. Yeah, I mean it's it's got just about everything you want. It, it's got it's got a good spin rate, but it comes from a funky arm angle and it's got a ton of depth. Because it's coming part partly because it's coming from that angle, that high three quarter, almost over the top angle from the left side, and yeah, it's it's that's a useful pitch for him that he can throw enough. I mean, that's the biggest development with Andrew Magno over the last year and a half is is that he can throw these pitches close enough into the zone that they can entice hitters to swing at him. He's never going to be a plus command or even average command guy, I don't think. Just just as based on his history, but he's close enough now that he's going to give himself a shot to. Pitch in the big leagues, which is a nice development there. Yeah, especially because I don't think people it wasn't really expected. I know that a lot of his yeah. fan base were really like, "Hey, man, this guy's good," and he's he's been backing it up. And it was again when he got the assignment to Toledo, I didn't think he belonged in West Michigan at all, and so that was pretty evident that he's been able to hang in there in Toledo. The as far as there was a question in there by Elton about why they went with Baez versus. Jay or Justin Henry Malloy, I think it's simple, really. They just want to see what they have with them. Buying is, and buying is does have experience. He can play multiple positions, which they need right now. They need somebody who can play all over the diamond a little bit. And I, again, I think Malloy, you saw this week, Syracuse in, in our chat mentioned how good Syracuse is. They are. That was probably one of the best teams they faced all season. When they faced Louisville, who, by the way, got destroyed. Saturday or something like that it was like 18 to two or something. Louisville's terrible, absolutely terrible. The Reds triple A team, the bats are not. And I thought that Syracuse was probably the best team that Toledo faced, and they were able to hang with them today, or hang with them for the week three and three overall. There's a couple major leaguers on that roster, future ones as well. They just every every ball they hit on Wednesday, and I thanks to by the way Tiger Mike on Twitter who him and I went down together and watched the game and. Jim Leland was a couple of seats behind us and it was cool because the second game, literally there was less than a hundred people there after the school mm-hmm. kids left, there was nobody yeah. there. And as far as in Elton, look, is buying, is buying as buying as the end cure for everything? No, 
I think he looks a little overwhelmed. He can bomb it in Toledo, but if you can't do it on the major league level, obviously, yeah. I just think they don't think Malloy's ready just yet. And I, I really, I like to see another month of production like this before more power. I like to see more power before they call him up personally. Yeah, and, and there are two types of minor leaguers, right? So the guys you, you call up because you need some help and they can fill a role. And then the guys you call up because you want them to be part of the big league team and you want them to play every day and you want them to be a future big leaguer. And that's who Malloy and Meadows are. That's when the Tigers call them up, they want to call them up to stay the way they did with Torkelson in, in green. And they're, they're not ready to do that. They're not ready to give Malloy every day at bats at third base in the big leagues. I don't think he's ready either. Maybe he will be in a month or two. It, it, it depends. But yeah, so for now they needed a body and they, like you said, Raj, they, they, they want to see what they have in this guy. He's, he's had some success in the big leagues. He's older. I think he's 30, right? Yeah. So it's unlikely, but you never know. He was playing fairly well down in Toledo. So you give him a shot, see if he can do anything just in case. And if he can't, there's no harm in sending him down and or releasing him. Whereas, so in, we, we spoke with Grant Witherspoon the other day, who was playing for Erie. And we talked to him. He's a kid who was in AAA last year. And he's now back in AA. And he understands why that happened. But at the same time, he said it, it, he does, it does feel like a demotion. It's hard not to feel that way. So if you come up to the big leagues and you struggle and they, they decide to send you back to Toledo, no matter how confident you are and how good of a baseball player you think you are, that's got to hurt a little bit. So you want to you wanna make sure these guys are ready when you bring them up. I, I don't think they could have set Torque down six weeks before they did last year, but they, they just kept wanting him to fight through it. And eventually they were just like, no, you, you just need to get out of your own head. So, yeah, I think they want to avoid that. And maybe, maybe they're doing some service time manipulation. <laughs> it wouldn't put it past them, but uh, we'll see. We'll figure out the Super 2 date, as it were, and uh, see what happens if they call him up the next day, like they did with Casey Mize and Google and Isak Paredes a couple of years ago, like the day after the Super 2 date passed. Yeah, thanks, Alex, for about the comment for Chris on the interview. I, it's just funny. Yeah, thanks, so. Did all the legwork and then I got called into a meeting for my my day job, but yeah, that was, anyway. There was a yeah. but yeah, that that went really. Good. And props and thanks to Chris for doing that by himself. I was much appreciated. And you had the questions set up for me, so I really didn't have to to do much there. So yeah, it was it was it's just one of the things we do have day jobs. We have regulars. We would love to just do this for a living. Yeah, but that's yeah, it's a bit much. Even though yeah, thank you for all the people who donate. But so yeah, Rod Rod had you know. Duty called, and so fortunately, I was able to to interview Grant, and he seemed like a really great kid. He had a, a strange play today where he hit a foul ball that bounced off the dirt and hit him in the face, mm. and then he he tore off his helmet and like spiked it on the ground. So I he didn't seem like that type of kid, but so I don't know. We couldn't tell if it hit the flap, like the protective cheek flap, or if it actually hit him, and and he was in pain, but he seemed fine right after that. So in any event, yeah, get back to what we were talking about. You want to, if you bring Malloy up. You want them up for good. And I yeah. just, so, yeah, they don't feel bad about getting rid of the body. As, as much as the bummer as that is and how sad that is. Yeah, we'll just bring him up for a week and if he sucks so off so long. Like, we've seen it done with dozens of players over the years. Yeah, and you know, it's ultimately one of the things that it's, by the way, real quick, you're talking about us doing this full time. Somebody this week, I'm not going to say exactly what, who or what, or who had said it, but it was just this, 
hey, you're really good at the baseball thing. Why don't you do this full time? I don't know why you're doing this. Yeah, but yeah, but, me too. But please don't ever say that to me and 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 then say, question my work ethic. It's yes. Anyway, so getting back, yeah, that's as far as Toledo goes in, in today. They, I mean, they they routed Syracuse. It wasn't even close. It was 12, 12 one. That's the final. Think that ended up being twelve one. Yeah, possibly thirteen to one. It was a lot to a little. It was yeah, it was over very early. I think they were up six nothing, seven nothing. It was the grand slam by Palacios or Palacios. There was an RBI single by Lipsius. One thing we didn't. Oh, there you go. That that was one of the things we. Parker Meadows had a couple of nice catches this week, one today and, and one yesterday that neither of us saw. And we were talking about one of the hardest things for us to do when we're trying to get, get these clips is get good defensive plays because they don't like, you can get reminders, which is something I just started doing this year, this year, which is yeah. nice. It, the phone will tell you if, if a team scored, so you can like quick run over because one of the things they've done this year is they've prevented us from grabbing clips for more than 90 seconds ago. So you really have to zoom around from game to game. But that was that was right there. That was 110.5 mile an hour double from Parker Meadows that you just showed, which the camera didn't quite capture, but you just kept a picture yeah. it in your mind. Yeah, I wasn't sure what happened there. It was like, <laughs> oh, look yeah, at the guy's reaction of, oh, man, that sucked. Yeah, sometimes you, you go to a picture of the pitcher. But yeah, Meadows, a couple of really nice catches in center field. He's He's ready to play. He's not the best defensive center fielder you've ever seen, but he's got so much range and, and he could catch just about anything you hit out there that he makes up for any false steps or, or delayed reactions he has. And he's ready to play center field defense in the big leagues right now. And it's just a matter of, of getting a little bit more consistent at the player, I think, with him. Yeah, he is hitting the ball a little harder too. And to answer your question, Elton, as far as who's other than a pitcher, that's a tough. That's a tough question, but I think the closest would be probably at right now would it would probably be Malloy if if like they if they had to call somebody up today based off merit, based off not even just the stats, but just based off merit. You could say numbers too, but Malloy might be the closest. But but really, I think if Meadows was hitting the ball a little harder and a little more consistent, I think he would get the nod over Malloy. You know, I think at this point it would, it, I don't know if there is a prospect who's ready for the call up, but if they, if there were an injury, depending on where it was, if there was another injury in the outfield, it wouldn't shock me if they did Jonathan Davis. I think you mentioned that the other day yeah. somewhere that, that he's been playing well and, and we know he's not, you know, he's not a good big leaguer. He's proven it, but he's been playing well and that's who they bring up again, because of what we said, if you're bringing Meadows up, you want him up to stay. And then possibly, you know, if a catcher got hurt, Nap. Nap's been playing pretty well. He had a great spring. He's a veteran. He seems like a guy. Oh my God, Elton. Um, hold on, hold on. Stop. Hold on. You get you get two of these. Exquisite. But exquisite. That ball is gone. Such a multi. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, You're probably the cool so, part of Indiana, so that's that's good to know. <laughs> All of Indiana is cool. The Amish part, the other part, I don't know. I, I haven't been to Indiana much. I've never gone to Indianapolis. Indianapolis is cool. I like downtown Indianapolis. I tried St. Elbow's Steakhouse. 
and mm. it did not disappoint. It was pretty good. Nice. I like actually I like downtown Indy quite a bit. It's got this big war statue in the middle of their like town square kind of thing, and downtown Indy is really cool. It's got it's, everything's really close by over there, and they got the fuel house and all that. So yeah, I have no idea where Noblesville is. Um, so <laughs> I will have to look it up somewhere. It's, sounds like a place where a bunch of noble people live. <laughs> But uh, we lost a train of thought because we got so caught. Yeah, thank you so much, Elton. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. We were basically just talking about who might get called up. I said Nap, possibly Davis. Not terribly exciting. I still think it's a month or two out for for Henry Malloy and and or Meadows. And or Lipsius. He's a guy who's, he just hadn't been hitting. He's still walking. He's not striking out a ton. He's just not getting actual hits at a, at a, a reasonable rate yet, so. That's, that's it for Toledo right now. Yeah, and the pitching, pitching just, you know, who, whoever they need, whenever they need. You mentioned Del Pozo had a good week. You never know who they might add to the 40-man to fill a need briefly. We don't, Chase and Shreve has been getting hit pretty hard lately. Yeah. I don't think they've cut bait with him just yet, but things haven't been going great there. So I Noblesville. are not going great. No, they're not. I'm finding out some stuff about Noblesville. It's a trendy north side of Indy, so there we go. I'll have to check out Noblesville next time mm-hmm. I'm down there. There's, I'm, I'm Eventually, I would like to go to an Indians game down there. The Pirates AAA affiliates down sweet. there. So they the Tigers are actually playing Indianapolis this week, but they're playing them at home. Did you find something, Chris? Or what's Sean right wrote wrote right there? Did you hear about the Texas A and M player shot in the middle of the game today? I did what? not hear about that. No, let's while you investigate that, Chris. Let's move on to Erie, and here's some of the transactions happened for Erie, and this was something that we got some pre. We got some news about before, a couple, like a day or two before it was announcing it. And that was Dylan Smith in the IL with, uh, he missed his start. I think it was last Saturday. And Chris was like, oh yeah, Dylan Smith is supposed to be certain. And yeah, it's nothing more than that. It's been vague on their end, but they, they got some pitching because the bullpen, by the way, it was a stat that I, that I got the other day from Greg, the voice of the Erie Sea Wolves. And it's like 1996 Tigers bullpen bad. So this was heading into today. The bullpen, 7-5, seven, seven the ERA is 6.55. 111 innings pitched, 125 inning, or hits given up, 95 runs, 81 of which are earned, 60 walks, 111 strikeouts, 19 home runs, 10 hit batters, 7 box, and... Six WP, which is isn't that the wild pitches? Wild pitches, yeah, yeah. It's no team seems to have been affected more by the four inning limit for starters, aside from Sawyer Gibson Long for some reason, than than Erie. The Erie starters this week were mostly good. You had Sawyer uh, Gibson Long, oddly enough, had the roughest outing. Bergner pitched fine twice. Madden and Flores both gave up some runs, but they pitched better than than the. The runs they allowed, they got some some defensive miscues behind them, and also some iffy catching slash umpire work. We I, we uploaded the Flores and Madden their most recent starts today to our YouTube channel, and you can check and see that there are a couple times where clear strikes were just called balls, and it's got to be frustrating. But uh, yeah, the bullpen was just a disaster again, and so Erie went one and five this week, and the one win was a sort of some late inning heroics by Grant Witherspoon on, on Tuesday. I think he had a two-run homer in the eighth and had the game-winning hit in, in the tenth inning, ninth inning. Oh, I yeah, think it was I'll the tenth inning. 
I just wanted to show Trey Cruz because he was one of the big. He had a big week. There's gonna be playing Trey Cruz highlights this evening, but yeah, he 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 cover out of the ball week. Yeah, he. There's a chance. I don't think he will, but there's a chance he'd be the third straight Nasty Wolf to win hitter of the week in the Eastern League. He hit what? Here we go. Nine hits this week. Nine for. Let me. I had it written down. There you, yeah, there you go. Oh, eight for eight for nineteen. Double, three homers, six RBIs. Yeah, yeah, a monster week. Had two home runs in one game. One from each side of the plate. That was cool. Yeah, it's uh, somebody mentioned earlier that the Daniel Cabrera has been playing better. You got it right there. Five for seventeen. Some doubles. He and Trey Cruz have both been playing better lately, and that's a very welcome turn of events because they were guys who had to play well this year, or else facing some some harsh realities about the future. Because it's getting late early for all these guys. We were talking about earlier that that once Dingler pops up in Erie, there'll be five of the six members of the 2020 draft class on the Seawolves. Workman's relay home. It's a good relay the right here. They got him. Yeah. Held on. Nice relay there, an aggressive send by Chad. Portland was a, is a very aggressive team. I think they have the best record in the Eastern League, and they were stealing left and right. They were trying to take the extra base all over the place. Ben Jerry, this was his first week in Erie. I think he played five games. He had three outfield assists in one week. And, and most of it was just because of overly aggressive base running from from Portland. So what do we got here? This is... Uh, Grant Witherspoon, that home run. Oh, that's the, the, the one he pulled? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he had, he had a good week too. He's starting to, to heat up a little bit, which is nice to see. They need some more some more hitting. It, it's very much, they're they're playing the hot bats right now. So, McGage Workman had that awesome week two weeks ago. Terrible week last week. He only played three games this week. Josh Crouch hasn't been playing terribly well. He only played three games. He actually hit okay this week, but it was three games. and went three for 10. So, they're just trying to find anything to, to get a spark there. But it's so tough because it just feels like they're, Every time they, they leave a game with a lead, it just gets frittered away. I think now Billy Lesher, not to pick on anybody, but he had one of the, the toughest relief outings I've ever seen. The other day, he gave up three home runs and like multiple triples in an inning in the third. It was just, he was rough. It was batting practice. So they got to figure something out there, but they are getting some help, we think, right? Yes, they are getting some help. And so one of the things Dingler will be with the, uh, unofficially, Looks like Dingler will be in Erie this week, and they need all the framing help they can get. So as far as catching goes, because they have not, one of the things about Josh Crouch is that he has not, although, again, there's been some calls in Erie this year that have been just like, come on, really? And I'm not blaming them because you can't blame them up on anything, but at the same time, they could use a little more better framing help. And when Dingler coming back, that will really, that will really boost not only defensively, but offensively, again, he, he he did what he was supposed to do in Lakeland. And I don't, you just take his numbers and go, oh, that's really good. But I don't, low A is low A. Yeah. So there are a couple of things to, to get at there. And then we could, we could touch on Dingler more in Lakeland if we want, or we could talk about him more now. But this will be his third partial season in, in Erie. We assume he's going to Erie. And each time he's been solid defensively, calls good games, frames well, all that good stuff but hasn't quite hit enough and it's high strikeouts. The on-base percentage is okay. Cause he gets hit a lot. I don't know if that's a skill or just a fluke, but yeah, they need somebody right now. Down. And we like Josh Crouch, but 
Josh crouches. There's a, there's a change up from Wilmer Flores right there. Thing was beautiful. Yeah, that's nice to see. Um, so Flores, Flores has been, his velocity has been down. The breaking balls aren't quite as sharp. He's working on the changeup. That's, that's, I don't know what else to, it's, it's going to be hit and miss for a while. I don't know what the velocity is all about, but you hope that he can pick that up as the season goes along. But when one thing you notice with Josh Crouch when he's catching is he he's just very sudden with when he's trying to steal strikes. And he does it even, like he does it when he doesn't have to. If it's a pitch that's over the edge, he tries to pull it over to the heart of the plate and it, and it costs his pitcher strikes, I think. And something, something he's just got to work on. And it, it's, I don't know, it's something that the Erie can't really afford right now. They have to get every strike they can. So yeah, it's, it's a shame there because he's got a good arm. And he's got some, he's improved, I think, his mobility to where he's blocking more balls and, and it's not quite as bad as he was last year in terms of getting, keep staying in front of the ball. But Dingler is going to get priority over Crouch. So that's just the way it is. Yeah. And I think, it, Stan, I think he was talking about is that validated about the changeup. His, I think he is trying, in terms of what they're having him do in pitch design, I think they're trying to have him throw the slider and change up more. The reason why he throws that fastball is because that's his best pitch. When he wants to get strikeouts, he can get that. He had nine swing and misses in the start on Saturday. And I, I think he's just trying to use the secondaries more, <clears throat> excuse me, to generate to generate swings and misses because you can over people you can overpower people in this fast. We saw that when we were in Erie. It was he kept going, he was getting some calls. So he was like, screw it, I'm just gonna go with my fastball and get the strikeouts and, and go from there. Yeah, and in in the the bummer about that game against Altuna was he was he kept locating the fastball away, and Altuna kept reaching out and poking it the other way for for hits. They weren't particularly hard; they kept getting falling in. It's one of the things we have to remember, and it's we're friends with all the people at Erie, and we like them, and we want them to to get winning baseball because it's a lot more fun to watch and cover. But ultimately, the Tigers don't care about that as much as much as a bummer that is. Right? They they want to get these guys to the point where talented or they're executing on a regular enough basis that they could be big leaguers, the guys who they think have that ability. So they're going to baby these guys all through April, forwarding starts for everybody. They're going to have them working on their pitch mix, all that stuff. And then maybe, who knows, maybe in the second half of the season, they'll try harder to have the team win some more games and, and make the playoffs like they did last year. They kept some people there, sent some people to Erie that, that they thought could help. But for right now, it's all about the development. Now, like the, the really perplexing thing is that a lot of the guys who are struggling this year were, were guys who pitched well last year in similar roles. And part of that could just be down to the, the whole thing of not getting promoted, right? You haven't been promoted. You're at the same level. So maybe you think you, you need to do something differently or... You, you've got to try harder to, to get moved up. And I'm sure the organization has communicated to him that, no, that's not the case. This is just the way it worked out, but it's human nature, right? I was here last year. I pitched well. Why am I not at the next level? I want to be a big leaguer. And right. so I think there's a lot of guys dealing with that, right? Like Chance Kirby has not been nearly as, as efficient as he was last year. Adam Wolf has struggled much more than he did last year. These, those were two of the, the, I don't know, five most important players on Erie last year. And, and if they're not pitching well, Erie's going to struggle. Yeah, and 
it could be a mental thing with those guys because you just mentioned a lot of it was the fact they were supposed to be at a different level, as you as you said, and maybe it's just like the there's but also as Stan mentioned in the chat, it could be also the weather. The weather has been crap. Like outside that one week in Erie, the weather's been eh. It's back to what typically is the typical typical of what in April in northwestern or northeastern Pennsylvania. I don't I don't. Northeastern, Northwestern, I don't know. Anyway. It's it's Northwestern Pennsylvania, yeah. It's Northwestern, um, okay. So, so Northwestern we, Pennsylvania. So, yeah, it's... I, as far as what, with the bats warming up a little bit, hopefully the, the, it is good to see the bats, some consistency with Trey Cruz. And, and the reason why it's so important with Trey Cruz is he is playing a different position and they have not been able to... He's been also... Play, I think he's been playing a little bit in the infield again. Yeah, so yes. that. The versatility he was, he played he made a nice play at short earlier that I'm going to post here in a second. That again, the versatility if he can continue to do this right here, that just adds to and also hitting as well. It's a nice play right there. Just going, I mean, he's going with him and he has to make a throw there. And he also had a a, a really good play in extra innings when they pulled in the infield and he stopped the ball and then fell over and threw a strike to first from a funky arm angle. I have no idea how he did it. It didn't prevent a run from scoring, but he got an out and, and it helped. There were some shenanigans in today's game that were frustrating to say the least. The, the Dario Gardea came in, I think in the ninth, he got some outs and they brought him back out for the 10th and suddenly his glove was too gray. It was a problem. So they had to, they made him go get a new glove. Now, never mind. Like I said, he pitched in the ninth. It wasn't an issue. He pitched twice before in the series and it wasn't an issue. So they, they call, tell him to change gloves, and suddenly he walks like four guys. That's, uh, that's a bummer. But, but uh, yeah, so I know there were, there were a couple of questions in the chat here real quick. I, I wanted to just touch yeah. on Alex asked if and when robot ops come into play, will framing matter? And the answer is no. no. For the most part, it, unless they use the challenge system, which we see in Lakeland and we see in Toledo now or the International League where they're doing the challenge system on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And what that is, is that teams have three opportunities to challenge a ball strike call and they retain it if they're right. So instead of a robot out making all the calls, they still have a, an umpire making the majority of the calls and then teams can challenge when they feel like it's warranted. So that would negate some of the most crucial framing, but there would still be times where a guy could frame a ball strike that a batter just might not want to challenge if it's like a first pitch of an at bat and he gets a, the catcher gets a ball turned into a strike. I don't think the, the hitter's going to challenge it. So we don't know what they're eventually going to do in the big leagues. My guess is they're going to do that, the, the challenge system, because it adds like a, a, like a tiny little extra layer of strategy. And uh, it's fun because they can show it on the scoreboard and fans can see, oh, he got it right. And, and what we've noticed from watching that is. Uh, pitchers and hitters aren't terribly good at challenging, but the catchers are excellent. The catchers get it right, like almost every time. So we'll see how that goes in the future. By the way, the, I know not to go too off topic, but it was, as Sean mentioned, the Bruins lost the Bruins who in for the NHL, by the way, if anybody watches hockey, Bruins had one of the best regular seasons in the last 25, 30 years. I don't pay attention to the NHL like I used to. But the fact that you had, so Colorado, Seattle, seven game series, you had the New Jersey and 
the Rangers is a seven-game series. There's been some good hockey across the board. I thought the Kings were going to beat the Oilers, but anyway, that is awesome. Just the Panthers and Maple Leafs, I know a lot of people don't like the Maple Leafs, but they ended a drought. They won their first playoff series, I think, in 20 years, something to that effect. But anyway, let's go ahead, Chris. There was one other question. It was from, from Elton. He said he wanted to talk about Reese Olsen. And we mentioned him earlier, but we can we can touch on it a little bit here because he said, will he end up being a full-time starter or will he be the new Tyler Alexander? Somewhere in between? Somewhere in between. I, I think Tyler Alexander gets by on on guile and late movement and, and some pitching ability. And when he doesn't have it, he gets rot. But Reese Olsen has terrific raw stuff. He His fastball is averaging 95. He gets up to 97. He's got two different breaking balls with, with elite spin rates. He's in his best pitch is his changeup. He's got really good pitches, and the fastball is, is flat and gets hit when it's in the zone. And the main issue is he he doesn't have command. He, he, or he doesn't have the command that he needs to start right now. And I don't think he ever will because the command comes from a, a smooth, easy delivery usually. Usually, we, we, we see some instances of guys, even in the Tiger system, who have kind of funky deliveries that still command the ball. But for whatever reason, Olsen can't command his pitches well enough to prevent them from getting rocked. And I don't know if a move to a build, the bullpen will help that in general, but I think that's his ultimate role is, is more of a one to two inning guy. And if that's what you mean by Tyler Alexander, then, then yeah, I think that's, that's a possibility, but I do think he will be in the big leagues because the stuff is good enough. I I've often compared him to Alex Lang, like he's a guy who's going to have to pitch off the secondary stuff and, and pepper in the fastball every now and then as a, Kind of surprise pitch. Yeah, because I don't, I, I personally think that he is a reliever. I know that we've talked, I think we mentioned this last week, but one of the things I like about him is he does have a slider that has a very good high spin rate. And I think that under Chris Federer, he could probably continue to work on a third pitch, but I don't think he has a stamina to, after four or five, I think it was, saw a stat line after a third time through the order, his numbers get, he gets hit pretty hard. So, I, and this was an eerie. And you can feel this position well, though, but there's some really good dynamite stuff that I think that hit, you can make him into a late inning weapon. And against, especially against lefties, his stuff does play pretty well. And I don't know, like to me, if he was going five or six innings on a, on a regular without a problem, but I just, I always see that late inning or late fade towards the end of, of his outings, or of, of his outings. Not even, it goes back to even last year. Like he wasn't a guy that, yes, he did. He set a, I think he set a team record in strikeouts, right? Yeah, for Uriah. Yeah. But again, he wasn't a guy that was going out there every seven, he eight was, innings or anything like that. He was very Matthew Boyda, where he would he would rack up eight, ten strikeouts, but also give up four runs because he gave up three homers in a walk or something like that. It, it's just it's feast or famine with him. So, right, yeah, he's still young enough that he can continue developing, and we've seen a lot of pitchers continue developing once they get to Detroit, and so. I do like his, his chances of eventually becoming a useful big league pitcher in some capacity, but right now I'm leaning hard towards bullpen rather than the rotation. Probably should get back to Erie. There were just like a couple more things we wanted to mention about the hitters there. You have, you have some of the pitching up there. We, we didn't mention Brent Herter. He's one of the guys I was talking about with the funky delivery who, who still seems to command the ball fairly well, although he's got a very strange habit of he will pound the corners with his fastball and then when he misses, it's off by a foot and a half, up and away. It's like, what? And he, he's always like looking down at his landing spot, like his landing spot's the problem. But all things being equal, I'd rather he miss up there than over the heart of the plate. So far, he's been doing that. 
But we did want to mention it's the same thing as, as Justin Herman Malloy, right? Hope Keith, not a terribly good week. Get a couple hits. Was it, let's see, what do you have? Three for 25 with two doubles, two walks, and seven strikeouts. They seem to be attacking him with fastballs up a lot, and he'll either swing through it or pop it up. So that's, that's something to keep an eye on with him. And then Winslow Perez, he had a triple today, but uh, I'll just four for 23 with four walks. And he now, he has five errors in 14 games in the area. He isn't bad. There's been some times, I mean, I, especially I watched a lot of that Richmond series, and there's throws where he would, like, just to turn a double play, it was just like, where, where the hell was that going? It would just be totally thrown behind the first base or over the first baseman's head or to the side. I don't know what it is. Even there's one play, I want to say it was a Ty Madden start, where it was the same thing. It was a routine grounder, and he just, and I, again, yeah. whether he's got the yips, Chuck Knobloch syndrome for anybody who can remember Chuck Knobloch. I don't know. But again, if he can continue to hit the ball, that's great. But I think we'll keep going back to Keith for a moment. He'll just, I'm guarantee you he'll find a way to adjust and get yeah. back to the swing of things a little bit. But yeah, it was, it, it, there was, especially this week too, with we're talking about how certain teams are attacking hitters. What we saw with Justin Herman Malloy as an example, as they get more scout reports out, it's going to happen. And probably the looks like the report is out on Keith. Yeah. There was, there's a lot of times too, where he just looked very impatient at, at the plate where he's just waiting for make, try to make something happen too much. At least in my opinion. Yeah. There was a, there was a point in today's game where I think it was tied at two in the eighth or eighth inning, I think. And here we got the first two men on and Keith was up and you're like, all right, this is exactly what we want. And he swung at the first pitch and popped out. And I think, I think to your point, yeah, he's a guy who he knows that his job is to, to do damage. And you saw, you showed the, the highlight of him hitting the, that opposite field double, which is great. He won somebody a snowblower, which is a, a fun promotion they do there in Erie. But uh, yeah, when the team's struggling, I, it makes total sense to, to think that he's going to try to like do more than he should. I think we see that a lot with hitters. I think that's, it's been going on with Torkelson for a year and a half now in Detroit. And one of the things we talked about, we didn't talk about on this show and but, but Torkelson has historically bad numbers with in high leverage situations and with men on and men in squaring position. He's not great <laughs> in any situation, but he's decidedly worse when the, the, the pressure is on. And I think that's probably just him putting way too much on his own shoulders and, and pressing. So that's, that's a natural thing that happens to all sorts of players. But yeah, to, to your point, I, I'm not worried about Colt Gaith struggling to hit. He's the guy that has proven he can hit. He's proven he can adjust. I think he'll be fine down the road. Yeah, and it's the same thing with Riley Green too. Riley Green now yeah. has a mustache going. So yeah, that was a whole. Well, remember, remember when in in Erie when he struggled at the beginning of Erie, he started sleeping with his baseball bat, and then he yeah. took off. So he's a, he's one of those superstitious baseball players. And there's an, I, I love superstition. I, I mean, I think that's the probably the best part of baseball is the there was like the story of Bill Buckner went on a hit streak and he didn't wash his underwear. Or, yeah, he didn't wash <laughs> his underwear. And yeah. by the end of it, people, guys were like, oh, my God, they could. <laughs> yeah, so. Baseball uh, players. Baseball. Yeah, but you know what, man? The only, I was never, I can't lie. I had a, I had a superstition, but it was simply put, because I was a catcher. And when I started, I think I, it was, a, I can't remember exactly. So I wore, I started wearing another batting glove underneath my catching glove because pitchers started throwing harder. It just started hurting and there was no real extra padding. So I just did that. And my superstition with that was, is that that 
I would not use that glove to bat because I had another. Luckily enough, I saved up and went to MC Sporting Goods. If you remember that, and I got an extra pair, and that was my hitting pair. I didn't use it for my catching pair because I thought because I got hits on the other one. The other one I mm-hmm. used to use it and never did anything with it. So yeah, that's my only superstition, if you will. Yeah, so, and I definitely remember in Little League, if I got a hit with a, a specific bat, I would just keep using that bat. And if I started striking out, I'd switch bats. Yeah, the, the but, Tennessee Thumper was the bat that I used quite <laughs> a bit in Little League. So that was a that's old... Sounds, sounds like an unfortunate adult maneuver. <laughs> All right, let's move on to West Michigan <laughs> as the they split the series with Cedar Rapids and they continue to go on the road. So they, they will not be back home until next week. And this week, they'll be Appaloit. So some of the transactions that took place here, Colin Burgess was activated today, and they got Trevin Michael, the former Oklahoma closer, came up from Lakeland, and Aaron Haas was also came up from Lakeland as well. So they got some pitching help to, to fill up the ranks. But it was a pitch. It, the The story of this week, too, Chris, was the starting was the starting pitching and Carlos Pena going out there had two good outings, 10 strikeouts and just held the three hits and four walks. You know, you're getting plenty of red water. So combo is coming up here soon. Elden, you're getting a lot of those combo highlights here in a second. Keita Montero, another good, he had a good start and he got called up to Erie. Yep. He will be, he will be in Erie this week. And then Will Hill Hernandez, Chris, it was, he had a, again, this was a, a guy who I get the, the last couple starts were early on has not looked good, but over the weekend looked pretty damn good. Yeah, and, and to be honest, I did not watch Will Kell start yet. I, I need to go back and check it to see if there's anything different. I will say that Cedar Rapids, I think, was struggling mightily coming into the series. I think they had lost like eight in a row or something like that. So they might not be that great of a team. But still, even still, you got, what was it, one earned run given up by the starting rotation this week? I'm looking. Yeah, Jack O'Loughlin gave up one run in three and two-thirds innings. The rest of the starting rotation went 20 innings and only gave up seven hits. Zero run. So yeah, Pena, Pena continues to, to, to stifle high A hitters with his upper 80s fastball and his veteran while. But yeah, Montero was dominant this week and he deserves, he's been down his last two starts and he deserves a, a new challenge. I, I think he'll probably struggle in double A for a little bit, but he's got good stuff and he's, he's one of the more you know, exciting stories early on in the season. He, he's not pitching all that differently than he did last year. But just to see it continue is nice, and and he's he's one of a couple players that that I'm moving up on my board, if you will. I don't know if we discussed that, but we're going to be trying to do a, an update. Oh yes, so I got to turn my listing to you tonight. By the way, so we are, I think it will be tomorrow that we'll be updating our top twenty-five. So we're going to do it every month. Is that right, Chris? Is that how we decided to do it? Yeah, that was. Uh, I I felt like yeah. We're for the most part, we're not going to be changing any scouting reports. It's just, as we talk about these, these rankings are just a snapshot in time. And so it just makes sense to adjust them accordingly. Say, Hey, this is what we've seen over the first month. And we're going to move this guy up and move, move this guy down just based on what we've seen so far And that in the future, we can reverse it, but it's, it's just to try to make it more of a, like a living list. And ultimately very few of these guys are seeing their ceilings change, right? It's just a matter of how they're performing this year. And, and what we think, uh, where they, we think they rank within the system. So yeah, we'll, we're going to try to do it every month. And honestly, 
we, we have our top 25, but we came up with that in November or December. So it's been almost a half a year since we've updated it anyway. And we need to pull Wentz off because he's graduated. And I don't know if Kreidler is graduated or not. I would think he's close. I think he's pretty close. In, yeah. So we'll have to look into that. So yeah, there might be a couple of new names on it. And I think it also it's nice because then you can see what we're seeing when we're out there and with West Michigan being on the road for two weeks and then here he's going to be back on the road and Bowie and Toledo. I didn't go to see, I'm probably going to see another Toledo game because they're home this week. So they're home for two weeks and I think I've gone now to six, five Toledo Maybe. games. We went for opening day. You went back the next day, I think. Yeah, I went back the yeah. next day. Yeah. You, you've been to, you went to the doubleheader the other day. I don't know if you've, if you've been to another one. Oh, so it will be, be, be five coming up this week. If I, so it'll be five, yeah. I'm just showing a bunch of, and so if you're watching this on YouTube, it's just a bunch of compost highlights right now because he, he had a really good week. The numbers, again, if you're looking at some of the, like, some of his plate appearances were just, good at bats and just hitting the ball with a little more air to it. Yeah. But compost is the guy that I have moved up the most on my personal list. Part of it is again, it's what I did with Pacheco last year. I hadn't seen him yet in person and, and it's almost, it's just, he's just a really impressive player to watch. Yeah. Like he, he seems a lot more mature than his age and his experience would suggest. And, and he feels like the sort of guy for for whom it, it will click at some point and he could be a monster. There's a lot of potential there and he's playing really well for, like I said, for a guy with such little experience. He said uh, the, the home run today was aided a bit by some extreme wind heading out to right field, but he's got plenty of power. He's, he's more patient than I ever expected. He's a better defender than I expected. So there's a lot going on there with that kid. I, again, there was one thing that I've noticed more so here than I had a chance when I saw him in Lakeland last year was, is how good defensively he was. I, again, I, his speed out of the box for his size was something I noticed right away. But as far as playing the outfield, he's done a very good job, especially West Michigan, which I think has the biggest center field in the Midwest League. And it's very similar to Comerica Park in a sense. So to play that and to play the corners pretty well. And his first age, again, he's doing this at such advanced age. To see him, you look at the, you might look at the batting average and go two. I think it's two. I think he brought it up to two eighty nine. I think after the series, hundred yeah, percent. It was, was two twenty one heading into today. But yeah, the stats aren't going to wow you, but yeah. he's not striking out too much. He's walking at a decent rate, and, and he's putting together good at bats, good plate appearances. He's playing well, and it's April, his first time ever being in cold weather. He's one of the youngest players in the league. I, I, I'm picturing pretty big things for this kid toward the end of this year. Yeah, the fact that he's, no, you're right, Chris, especially he, the fact he's doing this in this weather where he's never played. When we asked him, he, he's not, he has never played anything like this and he's holding his own. That's, that's a good yeah, thing. Yeah, I mean, he, he hit the bull Polanco balaclava on it today. Yeah. Uh, it's either rapid. Yeah, but it's not bothering him and he's just hitting the ball hard, which is all you can ask for. And, and it's in the air, a, a decent amount. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I moved him pretty, pretty far up my list. I don't know. I'm excited about Campos. He's, he's been the most pleasant surprise for me this season. And another good week, and the numbers might not indicate it, but Jace Young, four for 20, but it was the power. 
that you you had to be come away with because that was one thing that was lacking. And he has he's been growing in terms of just the numbers. Again, if you're looking at the numbers purely, it's kind of like okay, don't judge the box store. Here here's why you would see something like this, and I'm trying to pull it up right now, and it's just stuff like this. This is bomb, just an absolute bomb. Win was slightly going out, but he absolutely crushed this ball. And they are, they're doing a really good job with that. He's done a better job of hitting the ball with power despite the four for 20 numbers. Don't, don't look at that and think it's indicative of his overall performance because I think he's been hitting the ball better. Defensively, he's looked better. He's getting more comfortable out there. And that does bode well for a team that, for the, for the system who hasn't, West Michigan has been a fun watch this year because of him, mm-hmm. like a Pacheco, which we'll get to here in a second. And Stan had a question with Zegers offer adequate system for Latino prospects in their system. Support system? Yes, they do. They have done a very good job of, they have, in terms of having a, not only when they get down in the Dominican League, they have a translate, they have a teacher that teaches them English and, and those little things like that, or little things, but big things like that, but just the transition to the major leagues. And with, for example, with Pena and Campos, because Pena's from Cuba, same thing with. Yeah, Brian Pena, the manager. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, that that's a huge thing there. I think that, that made them more comfortable put sending Campos to West Michigan is they've got a manager who's Cuban like Campos. And uh, yeah, in a bilingual, and like you said, they, they've got classes for the kids to learn English. I think they have ability for the American kids to learn Spanish too. Yes. Um, which we know, I think. They were talking about too, like they were saying how they are, they feel comfortable because a lot of the English speaking players are learning Spanish so they can have that dialogue and, and build better relationships. Yeah. And, and there's only so much you can do. We, we, it's going to be tough for anybody who's 19 living in the Midwest all of a sudden on their own. So I think Campos has his own apartment. I don't think he's, I don't, I don't know if I checked into that or not, but I don't know if they're doing the host families anymore, but it's going to be an adjustment there. And there's only so much you can do, but he seemed like a really mature kid. And I think they've got all the resources that, that he needs to succeed. And, and I don't know if this is, if that's been the case forever, but we do know that they're, they're making some strides in that regard, even all the way up to the big league level from, from having Carlos Guillen, the translator, isn't he doing a couple dozen Radio broadcast? Yeah, he did a game yesterday with Mario Garbay on twelve seventy. So they're doing Spanish games, and that's to me long overdue. We can, I go on and on about that. That's something that I'm glad to see that the Tigers doing. And he has a broadcasting background, which I didn't know until he, this year. But uh, here's an example of a good piece of hitting here by Young. But it's yeah, the Tigers have done a very good or trying to do a better job of integrating their Latino talent because I think it's over, like overdue, but here's, yeah. that's a good, yeah, oh, there's good piece in right there. Some more Jace Young. Yeah. Let's, I want to give a shout out to, to Justice Bigby. I know you had him on the slide. Oh, there, yes. but he, had, yeah. he had a great hop skill grand slam this week. Another home run this week. I think he stole a base today. He, he probably won't win Midwest league player of the week. Because I think Blake Dunn, the former Western Michigan player had, had a monster week too, but a pretty, pretty darn good week for Justice Bigby. Who's not somebody who. He doesn't get a whole lot of publicity even from, from us, but he had like nine for 18, a double, two home runs, seven RBIs, three walks, two strikeouts and a steal. Really good week for Bigby. Oh yeah. He, and especially cause like the, you know, in terms of power wise in Iowa too, all 
Cedar Rapids is a, oops, sorry, I was got distracted. That's why I stopped myself uh-huh. for a moment. But no, in, in terms of like home runs, West Michigan wise had a really good week because also Chris Myers also had a pair of home yep. runs this week too. He was he was killing it. He almost had a there was a double too where he it almost went out too. But here's the just a home run. Ricky ball to right. It doesn't look like a grand slam off the bat though. It's just it looks like a line drive. It's a just yeah, Bigby grand slam. That's another one of the ones where the wind uh, just played hits your right big role. And you'll be all right. Bigby clears the bags on one was, swing. Yeah, it was, it's nine nothing white cat. Even the way it came off the bat too, just didn't look like on that. But yeah, it doesn't. Ball, yeah, like that does not look like a home run. But trouble yeah. going back is Rossi. T- yeah, he's but, had, uh, he, he had a good week. Yes, definitely. So good for Big B. Yeah, good for Big B and good for West Michigan starting pitching that they definitely are. It's good for Erie at some point, too. Hopefully, hopefully this goes well for Erie if in all the pitching help they can get. So we last go to Lakeland and they split the series with Palm Beach. So they had a couple transactions. They're getting some, you're going to see more of this coming out for Lakeland. A couple players coming out from the, the, the complex league. So, so the, there'll be more names coming up, but the starting pitching, I'm going to just focus on hitting because the, the pitching this week was tr- atrocious and it's just, there's no nicer way to say it. Dylan Nagler on his rehab was just destroying the ball, three home runs, you know, men among the JV boys down there. Dom Johnson, Andrew Jenkins had really good weeks. Veteran Lazaro Benitez, who I think should be at high A, at least in my opinion, is taking advantage of his time. And Manuel Sequeira, who has not walked a lot, but looked pretty good. We had a couple of hits, and Christian Santana had a couple, had I believe two extra base hits, or maybe he had one, but he broke out of his shell a little bit this week. Yeah, he had a he had a double today, and I think he had a double the other day. So yeah, hopefully he's he's you know he was in such a brutal slump that it was really you felt bad for the kid. But yeah, he seems to to broken out a little bit. I, ever since they drafted Dom Johnson, like I've wanted him to be like my personal, like cheese ball player, just because he's, he's uh, remarkably fast and it's got short, stocky, muscular, fast, not like a long, skinny, fast, if you, if you will, he's more like a Blake Corum than, I don't know, who's a tall, fast guy, Usain Bolt, but uh, he's been hitting the ball really hard and, and lots of line drives. And so he's getting rewarded with some hits. It's still not a ton of power and he's not. He's striking out too much, I think. So I, I'm not quite ready to say that he's actually a prospect, but he is a guy that I, I'm more interested in than your typical 13th, 14th round pick. Yeah, there's and one of the things too about Lakeland that is interesting. The same thing with what you're seeing in Toledo right now. The, there's not really, not, I, I think Toledo to me, when I look at the rotation outside of Fayetto and Olsen, it's just a lot of arms that you could see in a bullpen. You could technically say that about Olsen too. But Lakeland has no real starting pitching. It's been, it's just been like they're putting those guys out there and it's going to be a long season for a lot of flying tigers because the fact that outside of maybe what was it? Troy Melton. That's about it. Compost pitched today. He didn't, was it yesterday or he pitched yesterday? Was, you know, he pitched Marcano, yesterday. Marcano pitched today. Yeah. So both Marco Jimenez and Ulysses Compost have big arms and I think they're going to be bullpen guys down the road. It, it, they might make it to double A or higher as relievers. But yeah, so you saw, I think in both starts, that I think they were pitching well through three innings and then the fourth inning got blown up. It's, that's just who they are. And they're trying to 
just get some innings out of all these guys. Edgardo Ibarra is their lefty. Chris Williams is another lefty. He had a rough go of it in his starts. So yeah, Melton is, is the only one who's piques the interest as a potential starter down the road. And even, even still right now, I mean, we have one start of his on the YouTube channel and he just kind of reminds me of Ryan Perry. If people remember Ryan Perry, the former Tigers reliever who they pushed through the system really quickly because he could throw upper nineties and Melton is comfortable. 95, 97, most of the game could get up to 98. And I think if he were out of the bullpen, he could possibly touch a hundred, but it's super inconsistent secondary stuff. And you know, there's something to work with there, but you just, it's, he's, he's kind of old and I think he was a three or four year college player. You, you wish he was a little more polished, but I guess that's why he was a fourth rounder. I didn't get a chance to watch his start, but one pitcher I was interested in and he didn't pitch too bad was Mario Adabera, who is only nine. The reason why he's intriguing is because it's 19 and there's not a lot of, in terms of Latin arms that are young that are mm-hmm. starters that are don't look I, I'm interested I have to watch this start against St. Lucid I get a chance to watch it but he didn't pitch too bad he had four innings four hits two runs one was earned and struck out a pair now the season he, he is sitting with an ERA of 2.36 or excuse me 2.38 and to be able to keep the walks down so I'm I'm interested to see what kind of again he's he stands just above five six foot if I'm being generous probably more like 5'11 5'10 but I like it. I, w- I want to watch him just because of his age. So that's just to, to navigate something like that. And to me, this is really in terms of, I believe he was, this is his first week. He spent a couple starts. He had two starts. He pitched in two games last year in Lakeland. So this is, will be his first full season in high and low A. So for B19, I want to see how he adapts. I, I was tuning into his start, I think last week. And I, I don't know why I didn't grab his outing. I, I grabbed the guys who throw harder. That's just my nature. But yeah, he didn't give up any hits in four innings. So I probably really should go back and cut that up. But one good thing we can also look at baseball savant to see what, what he was doing. So I will do that real quick. Yeah. I will um, pull up his start too, because we're quick on the fly like that. It's, I, I, it's it just because Lakeland doesn't have a lot of starters. That's why it's worth yeah. mentioning because they, it's, it's a bullpen city down there. And until even complex league starts complex league, to be fair, I think we could see some, whoever breaks out there and, and at some point makes their way up to Lakeland. That'd be cool to see, but Rainer Castillo is on the IL with an injury. So I think he, honestly, Chris, I think he would probably start the season in Lakeland. Yeah. I think he was, he had, he had a rough year in the complex league last year, but who knows? Yeah. I mean, it's possible he would have there. There's only so many outings and, or, or innings and they need, want to develop him. So Ibarra looks like he averaged 90.9 with his sinker, got up to 92 and a half. Change up was his second most common pitch. He threw 10 of them. That was the mid eighties curveball, mid seventies curveball, and then a slider that looks like it was in the low eighties. Curveball seems to be his best swing and miss pitch or best strike pitch. But yeah, so it's, it's a lefty with kind of pedestrian velocity at least, but you never know, like a young guy, he could be the, the listed heights and weights are often way, way, way wrong. Case in point, I think Keter Montero is listed at 145, I want to say, and he's got to be at least 180 now. So there you go. 
there's Edward Rossman. Is it is 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 Edward Rossman the one who's commenting on all our videos? Is that yeah, he is. Yeah. That's Edward Rossman. Yeah. yeah, props for him and Steve Fargo. Thank you. They've been very complimentary. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, I, I it, and it's good if you go watch those cutups. He seems to have some good comments about all these starters or all these pictures, what he sees, and, and I tend to agree with a lot of them. So yeah, nice to have that. And, and nice to have another perspective on that too, because especially with, for at least for myself, I'm to me learning. This is this is a game. What I love about baseball is you can you're always constantly learning. You're always constantly. It never stops. Whether it's in terms of evolving as yeah. the stats and everything. It, it but to me, even just like pitch recognition and and those things, those things take time. And I don't know, just yeah, it depends on your just on that point. Like, how many times do you watch a broadcast and you hear the announcer miss and say, "Hey, that's they call it a, a pitch." And you're like, "That's not that pitch. That was a that was a slider." What are you looking at? Yeah. But they're looking from a different perspective and a different camera. And and but yeah, I, I like five six times a year, I just look at baseball and go, "I I don't know what the hell I'm doing. What am I? I have no idea how this game works. <laughs> what I don't nothing makes sense to me." But the, the more you watch, the more you learn, and. Yeah, I mean, we, we cut these videos up mostly. It's not like they're getting tons and tons of traffic, but it's mostly so people can just get an idea of what, because forever you can you can look at the box score and say, hey, man, that guy struck out seven guys and no hits and, and he must be really good. You watch him and go, okay, maybe not. It's fun, but it's not, he's not a prospect. So we just wanted to give people the chance to look at some guys. So here's Ibarra right here. Yep. Yeah, so you got a, a complex delivery there up over the head. Looks like he has some deception too, right? Yeah, he hides the I, ball. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, especially when he delivers right there. Yeah, that's. I, no, but you're you're right. It's there's the thing about this too that I know some of our videos don't get a lot of traffic, but quite frankly, it doesn't to me it doesn't bother me because it's a chance to see people that, for example, the Carlos Pena's in the world who who may be who may end up in a roster someday. Who knows? I don't know. If I I know for a fact that. I was steadfast about my Andre Lipsius since day one, and he's been one of our oldest videos we have on there since 2019. But, but you're, I don't know. I like this delivery. It just kind of reminds me of Fernando Venezuela in a sense of not looking up at God or anything like that. <laughs> he looks up to the heavens or anything, but like that. But yeah, quick worker too. So yeah, he looks, he looks fairly athletic to me. He just hit a guy. That's a little bit of like an arm stab at the bottom of the delivery, but it, Seems to, like I said, it seems to hide the ball behind his leg until it comes right out of his ear. So that could help. I don't know. Yeah, he looks. Jenkins. Keep an eye on what he does this year. Right? Yeah, Jenkins. It looks like his father yeah. at this point. <laughs> on the stage, yeah, uh, his... Ara looks very young out there. But either way, yeah, I just wanted to show some people what he looked like when he was pitching out here. Probably a good quick first step here or good pickoff move. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hopefully maybe some game. I don't know, Chris, does he? He looks like he can gain some mass and, and, and gain some velocity. Yeah, I would think so. It's it's like a sort of medium. He's not like coat hanger arms or anything like that. But uh, yeah, it looks like he's he's bigger probably than his listed height and weight. And these kids, if he's nineteen, he's he's going to gain weight no matter what. Look at look at yourself at nineteen and look at yourself now. But yeah. by <laughs> yourself, I'm referring to everyone, not us. But uh, yeah, so you get some more weight on his, in his lower half, maybe a little bit more leg drive and the velocity could creep up a little bit. And honestly, you can get by with a sinker in the low nineties. If it's a good enough sinker, that's what Brent Herter does. I don't know if he's going to get by with it in the big leagues, but he's been getting by in the minors up to double A. So yeah, 
at least one to keep an eye on. That's that's fun. Like we talked about Marcano is, is also, I think, 19. And uh, he's another guy that's smaller in stature and athletic and, and has an interesting pitch mix, but it's it's hard to project him to be much more than what he is right now. Yeah. And again, it's I, I hope that we see some better pitching in Lakeland. We get some again, not trying to diss the arms or anything, but it's a lot of raw talent down there and it's gonna take some time. So I want people to be patient about that. And we do have to, there's just one bit of speculation, right? So we, if we know Montero is leaving the West Michigan rotation to head to Erie, it's somebody's got to leave Lakeland to go to West Michigan, presumably. Troy and Mountain. I don't know who this, I, Troy Melton would be the most, the one that would make the most sense, or at least the most from a prospect perspective. But I think, like I mentioned before, I think Jordan Marks is technically on in a rehab assignment in Lakeland. So they may move him up to West Michigan just cause, but he's been pitching in relief, I think. So I don't know if they, if they want to move him back to the rotation or what, but it could very good. Well, it could be Melton. And if it is Melton, we're going to have to go see him in two weeks when he makes his first start with West Michigan. Definitely. I mean, there's, I wish that West Michigan was back in town, but they are, yeah, there's going to be another week in Wisconsin. So. Gotta get that, back in town. In town. In town. All right. Anyway. All right. Yeah. I think do we have any questions, Chris? I didn't on see any the, questions. We we, we asked for questions and maybe it's Sunday and people were burned out by the NFL draft. And speaking of which, by the way, there will be um, some draft coverage coming. Yes. We're gonna be there'll be draft coverage. We're gonna be doing some clips for draft with players Tigers could potentially draft at three across the board. So Look at a website over Tigers at ML, TigersMLReport.com for that and on our YouTube channel. So we will get some more, some names that Chris likes, some names that I like. I have not, admittedly, I've not been deep diving on the draft because just with everything else going on right now, the regular season and everything, I just have not had the time. And I can't wax poetic about guys like Clark or the gentleman from Florida drawing a blank on right now. But Langford? Uh, Langford, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, Max Clark, yeah. There's the, and there's that arm at LSU, I guess, too. Paul Skeens, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, it's the draft's still ten, eleven weeks away. It's 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 there's still plenty of time to discuss it. But now that the NFL draft is thankfully out of the way, we can maybe get a little bit more traction with some draft coverage. So we'll yeah. kick kick into that for sure because the Tigers are going to have three of the top fifty picks, and they'll probably end up being three of their top fifteen prospects. So that's the guys we want to. Get to know, Alex. I will answer that question. Give me, give me three weeks, and I'll answer that question. The question was, who do you guys well, want to take at three? I know, Chrissy. If you have an answer, you can go ahead. But so, Dylan Cruz has put together that monster season that everybody was hoping for, and he seems like the the lock to be one one. The LSU outfielder. We would never know in the baseball draft. Pittsburgh took Henry Davis a couple of years ago. He was not considered the consensus that player in the draft. Marcelo Meyer was actually, he wasn't even consensus. There were other people that had Jordan Lawler. So if, if Dylan Cruz is there, then absolutely you take him. Paul Skeens is a tough one because he is doing things that, that few, if any college pitchers have ever done. He's basically sitting at 98 and a half miles an hour through seven innings with one of the best sweeping sliders anywhere in the world. It's basically the it's combination of velocity and movement is like right up there with Shohei Otani when he's a 20 year old, he's basically He's like a couple months younger than Roki Sasaki, the guy from Japan everybody was falling in love with, and, and he throws just as hard 
he doesn't have to split. But uh, yeah, so pitching is always such a scary thing. But he's an anomaly where it wouldn't shock me at all if he goes two. If he doesn't go two and the other two college hitters are taken, I would take Skeens at three. Just he has a higher ceiling than any pitcher in the, the Tigers organization. It's risky as hell to take any pitcher that high, but you don't get a chance to get these kind of guys very often. And then the, the third guy is White Langford, who I think is probably the most likely pick at number three. Although he might be relegated to left field, even though he's like a 60 to 70 grade runner. Uh, and he's off to a really good season two. And, and as Stan mentioned, testicle man, he had a very unfortunate incident in which he was hit into the testicles. And is that had the, the oh, that, okay, that's all right. That's yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. But oh, go ahead. The only other two people who seem like realistic possibilities right now are Max Clark, the, the outfielder from Indiana and, and Walker Jenkins, the outfielder from North Carolina. And I think the whispers right now is that, that the Tigers might be all in on Jenkins. So they might take him even over Langford if he gets there, but we'll see. This is early, early in the process. And I think from, look, I will say this. I do want the Tigers to get a hitter. And the reason why I want the Tigers to get a hitter is there's something that we, in the podcast, something that, um, and I'll, we'll get to Edward's question too. That's a good question. We'll readdress that Parker Miles thing in a second, but you look at Parker Meadows is Parker Meadows is almost there. Andre Lipsius is almost there. Colt Keith's a good sign. Isaac Pacheco, but it's to me they still have the system is thin. It's thin on pitching too. It's not as deep as I originally thought, and but at the same time, I just would like, especially with the new regime. The new regime is going to with Mark Connor. There's gonna there's gonna be a different kind of element to this draft completely, so I think they're gonna go for an athlete type, and I I really would rather them go with a hitter versus a pitcher because I think they've been able to take pitching no matter what it is and able to develop it and use it somewhat to a certain degree, or excuse me, use it effectively. I, I the the pitching development has leaps and bounds better than it's ever been, and if they can get a hitter who doesn't have to who's not gonna toil away in the system for a while. It can come up and live up to that hype relatively quickly. Look at Zach Nato. That is that's one of those times where I'm just like, I don't do victory parades often, but that was the one I'm like, the Tigers should draft Zach Nato. And every in some some people during the draft. Why? Oh, he doesn't play to anybody. Guess what? I mean, the Angels are a dysfunctional organization, but he he hit through the minors. It didn't mean again, because where he went to school, he got penalized for it. Outside of that victory parade, let me get back to the point though. Tigers need hitters. Simple as that. They need Lakeland right now. Rams off to a slow start. There's not really power. They don't have a lot of power hitters in this team, in the system at all. And if they can get a power bat at three or a, a bat that can be a cornerstone, then go for it. Pitching, I'm not worried about pitching like I used to. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. And, and this is kind of the, the whole big discussion around the, the Lions draft, everybody was complaining about, it was this argument with, between the nerds and the traditionalists or whatever, that, that the Lions took all their picks seem to be on guys like positions that don't have value. Oh, you can get a running back, whatever. You can get a tight end, whatever. You can get a linebacker, whatever. And all that might be true, but they just took players they liked. And, and it, what's funny is, is that that's almost like the approach you take in baseball. You just take the best player, the player that you like that fits the most. Whereas most of the time in the NFL, it's like you, outside of what the top 
five picks or whatever, you take players for need. And even in the top five, like it's very rare actually that, that teams just take a luxury pick because they can. In the NFL, it's all about fitting needs, right? In baseball, you just take the best player. And I think you're right. The We've seen over the last decade or so that, that great pitching can be made. We've seen it from Shane Bieber, what was he, fifth rounder? The uh, Guardians just brought up Tanner Bybee. He's another guy that they added like six miles an hour to his fastball in in the minors. You can get these guys later and, and turn them into really good pitching. It's just one of those things where it's like, can you turn them into a guy who's sitting 98 with a wipeout slider? Maybe not. But yeah, all things being equal, I, I would like that the Nationals took scheme second so the Tigers don't have to worry about it. But uh, I don't know, we'll see. Like I said, it's a long way down. Who knows? He's a pitcher. Cross your fingers, he doesn't get hurt, but it's very possible he could get hurt in the next month or so. It just, it happens all the time, unfortunately. Yeah, we'll see. I, oh. Again, I, there's there's so many times this, this board's going to change. And you know what? I'm glad the NFL's draft's over only because the first day people were just losing their minds, the Lions went with the running back. And it's just really, it was just funny because Brad Holmes was like, hey, I got my guy. And they were they were excited about the the playmaker they got that for the the running back I forgot the guy's name at the moment but I'm gonna, I'm waiting for Tiger I, Tiger Twitter is not going to be the same as the, the, the Lions draft it's, <laughs> it's going to be like five draft nerds going they should have gotten a lifetime back because of this this and this no I think the loudest you're ever going to get is is the couple of years ago when they took Job instead of Marcel Meyer and that's still people still complain about it and it's it's yeah and rightfully so tough to, I mean. yeah it's tough to argue with them but those guys are gone the the people who made that pick are gone. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. It's, I think it's more likely than not that they're going to take a bat. You're talking about like at the top five players, four of them are bats and one's a pitcher. So you're going to have your option at bats. So yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about that. But, and they also have, like I said, they have two more picks in the top 50. You can get this a decent draft in terms of high school pitching. Not one of the better ones I've seen, but high school pitching tends to fall in that those next two picks they have, if you wanted to go that route. That's where those guys usually land. So you can get some talent there. And, and that's an area where those guys end up actually outperforming the high school pitchers who are taken in the top 10, top 15, usually. So you can see that. But and, and also, too, considering the Tigers may still make continue to make changes in their advanced scouting and, and that because they still have some names that they're still working with. And they, who knows, Harris and Connor might bring in more of their own people. So we could see some people behind the scenes that are not there yet. As far as like if if right and, and Elton brings up a good point here, Riley Green and Fork, call them Fork. Yeah, this is name or bust or set back two years at least. I can't, you know what, Elton, I can't really argue that because for, as far as Riley Green goes, I still think you give him time. Like when I, I mentioned this on the podcast the other day, Kirk Gibson. It took Kirk Gibson a while before he became good. Everybody was ragging about Kirk Gibson before he started getting the to be the Kirk Gibson, if you will. Well, I agree on my it's gonna be today. He struck out a couple times and looks like he's pre, he's still pressing a little bit, but if this is happening next year and they're both hitting under 220 or whatever the case may be, then yes, you can label bust. But I'm not I'm concerned. I'm not gonna sit here and tell you I'm not concerned that you have Spencer Torkelson bad in cleanup today and you're not getting the kind of a general offense that you expect. Yeah. I, is it put a fork in them? I, if that's the case, I, I just wait. I'm going to wait another year. 
if this was if he was 25, 26 years old, it'd be a different story. Then is but as Stan pointed out in the chat, they're both very young. So I'm not I gotta call him bust. However, what I would like to see is at least one or two, two, two position players at the same time. Do well, do good, just do something. And as far as them being the faces, the, the thing is, in terms of Elton, from a marketing standpoint, who else are we going to make the face? So we're going to make Harold Castro the face of the organization. They, they just didn't, as far as from a marketing standpoint, who they, they had nobody in the market. They really didn't. And but they did they rush him through, or Torkelson? Absolutely. Riley Green did everything correct. Yeah, yeah. They 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 were both playing very well in the minors to the point. Where Riley Green had a better spring. It looked like he deserved it more a couple of years ago. But they were going to bring the guys up no matter what, unless they completely fell on their face. And yeah, I'm, I'm sure that it would have been cool to market Avi Baez and Austin Meadows too. But uh, sometimes nothing goes right. And, you just wish that it wasn't so much on these two young guys because baseball is very hard and to deal with the expectations of an entire city. And I'm sure they feel it to some degree. It's, it's just gotta, gotta be tough, but yeah, if they don't end up being at least solid average big league players, it's going to be harder for the Tigers to be good in the next few years. That's just the way it is. Yeah. yeah there's not really much they can do, but I said, I bet bats and we'll hopefully there'll be some sort of progress. So on that note, Alex, to end the podcast, no, there has been no updates on Austin Meadows as of yet. I know he's been hanging out with the team. Tarek Skubal, somebody mentioned about Skubal. He did throw over the weekend. He said it felt good. And we'll, I'll be down there this week for the Mets series starting on Tuesday. And so hopefully I'll get some intel and see what's going on. And, but Mize and Skubal, by the way, have been there pretty much every time I'm down there. So they're, they're progressing and I'm not sure my, my, I don't think it's throwing program as of yet. So school's more follow along, but it's yeah, it, as far as, well, all right. Oh, last thing. And then I'm like, we're going to get out of here. The changes in the clubhouse, all the behind the scenes stuff. Trust me. It was, it was needed. It was needed. And I'll, I'll be there, Stan. If you are, if you want to meet up, just let me know, man, I'll be walking around the press box area. I'll walk down. We can, Talk, talk the game. But Elton, honestly, the stuff that needed in, in the clubhouse, all that, that was needed. I will, t- I will say that. Just like the when we talked to Pacheco and Young about the biggest changes in the, since Harris has come over, it's nutrition. They're able to eat better. Those, those little things needed to be done. And so I know that the plane, I don't, I don't know about the plane. I don't know. Maybe Remember. the yeah, maybe there's too much there's too much synergy going on with the Red Wings too because they have that home run thing with the other home run celebration with the Wings, which I think is actually pretty cool. But screw you, New Era, by the way. I forgot to mention, I forgot to yell at New Era. This was going to be my ugly. They are mad that the Braves, who have the big, big hat celebration, yeah, MLB told them to pull it because New Era was whining. It doesn't have a New Era logo on it. And they got mad about it. And they pay, right? They- They'd pay a lot of money to be the official hat of Major League Baseball. So they're going to be like, what are you doing? Only our hat. Now, yeah, I mean, the, the Red Wings, I don't think their helmet is a new era helmet, but maybe not enough people are watching the Red Wings for a new era to care. I don't know. But 
Yeah. And you know, this is neither here nor there, but I've seen a lot of people complain about them with that helmet celebrating when they're a bad team or when they're losing and stuff like that. And it just, it, it means nothing to me because baseball is so hard and you fail so often that I feel like you should probably get a chance to celebrate when you do something well, particularly because unless it's like a huge blowout, comebacks happen in, in baseball. I think more than just about any other sport, maybe not modern football where you can throw for thousand yards in two minutes. What happens? You can be losing six to two and, and score five runs and win. You could be the White Sox and score seven runs in the ninth inning and come back and win, even though you're playing some of the most embarrassing baseball in Chicago White Sox history. Yeah, they had a monster comeback. So I, I sometimes it just takes getting excited to, to get everybody else excited. The White Sox had a no-hitter going and they allow them to yeah, come Lance, back. Lance Lynn had the no-hitter going the other night and then they gave up 10 runs in the inning. Yeah, and then this happens. Yeah. Today. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Was, I don't know if that was today or yesterday, but today. Yeah. Yeah. And then the White Sox came back and scored seven runs in the ninth to win. Even bad teams playing terrible baseball can have a big walk-off or a big celebration. So I don't mind if somebody hits a home run and they're losing or they're a bad team. They celebrate because yeah. it's baseball. You're hitting a, a thing coming out of 100 miles an hour. Celebrate the damn way you want. Yep. I would. But at any rate. I mean, I wouldn't point my middle finger at the pitcher and start yelling at them. That's oh, a no, 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 like me, but, but for the most part, I think there's a lot that you can get away with that, that you know, that I'm okay with. But, so as soon as I get off the air, we're going to look at that Texas A&M thing. Yeah. So I, I was looking at it's Texas A&M Ar Texarkana. So it's like one of the satellite schools. It's not the, the big SEC powerhouse Texas A&M. And yeah, the guy was standing in the bullpen area and got shot by a stray bullet. Which, which to be honest with you, I feel like is a real, real, something to be worried about in Texas. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong there. Probably just something to be worried about everywhere in America at this point. It was struck by a straight bill from some kind of altercation in a nearby neighborhood west of the park, according to Texarana Police Department, that the unidentified player was treated at the local hospital in a stable condition. Good. I'm glad he's not. It's got to be very bizarre to be standing there. What was that? Literally, just throwing, you're throwing all of a sudden, you think that, oh man, what? What? Just, yeah. Something bit me. Something bit, oh, the force gun there. Nice. All right. On that note, thank you so much for watching us on YouTube here over at Tiger Minor League Report. We'll be back with a episode for Motor City Metrics, I think tomorrow, actually. We're going to be previewing the Met series with Youper and John joining us. So if you want to join us there tomorrow on the other channel, by all means, you thank you, Elton. Thank you, Stan, for donating. We all yeah, appreciate thank you so it. Much. Thank you. And we'll talk to you soon. Have a good week, everybody.